the sixth language that I learned as an adult is that Chinese. Would you recommend people studying every day or maybe every other day? When I started studying Chinese, I knew that if I only studied twice a week, honestly, it was going to take me years to learn it. Because for me as a language teacher, I see that some students miss this point. It's very similar to going to the gym. A week goes by and two weeks go by and you look at yourself, it's the same. You look at your language progress, still the same, but you have to keep going. Good afternoon, Veronica. Hi, it's great to be here again. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely to have you back on the show. From what many people might know, uh, Veronica is a big language enthusiast, and I might even call you a polyglot. How many languages do you know, Veronica? I speak six languages. Wow. And uh, are you fluent in all of them? Yes, I'm pretty fluent, and I'll talk about it. But the reason why is because I've lived in all of the countries where those languages are spoken, so I had no choice but to actually become fluent. That's amazing. And which is your native language? My native language is Spanish. Both my parents are Spanish, and I was born in Spain. And after learning Spanish as a kid, when was the time when you first encountered a foreign language? So that's a little bit the story of my life. I remember I was very young, I was five years old, and my parents told us that we were going to move to a new country, but I didn't really know what country meant. And uh, they took me to this new kindergarten, and it was beautiful, it was full of toys and kids, and I was very excited. And uh, when I tried to talk to the kids and play with them, I realized that uh, they wouldn't be able to play with me because I didn't speak the language. I didn't know anything about languages. All I wanted was to play. And I realized that these little kids were speaking French. They didn't speak it in Spanish. So that was my first realization of languages and how important it is to be understood and to be able to understand others. So did you start learning French just playing outside with the other kids at the beginning? Well, that was when, uh, when we moved uh, to France. So it was at the kindergarten at the very beginning. I was a very shy girl, I was an introvert, and so it was very hard for me to reach out. And so I spent many weeks just doing puzzles by myself because I didn't speak the language. And at some point, the teacher, who was really kind, she said, you know, Veronica, she called me Veronique, that was my French name. You know, Veronique, <laughs> I think you're pretty good with puzzles now. How about you go outside and you play with the kids? And she gave me this little push to go outside and uh, start to uh, play with the kids who were playing tag or something. And that's how I started to speak French, really, because I wanted to be included in the group with the other kids. That's actually an interesting topic that we hit upon very early on, because uh, the way that kids learn languages are a little bit different from the way that grown-ups learn. And, uh, of course, the exposure that you get as a kid can be sometimes bigger than the exposure that you get with an, than an adult. And... Uh, I'm just curious, how do you surround yourself with all the foreign languages that you have already learned, even though currently you're not, let's say, living in France or living in Italy? Because you, to keep fluency, I believe, you still have to continue feeling immersed in the language. Otherwise, it's like uh, riding a bicycle. You will probably forget how to do it until you start again. Yeah, totally. So... Culture and languages, for me, they are intertwined. When I learned languages, it wasn't just I took a, a book of language and I started 
I mean, there was a whole context around it. In France, it was about making friends. Then I moved to Brazil where they speak Portuguese. And again, I have to go to a school that was half French and half Portuguese. So I have to learn the language there and make friends. And same when I moved to all these different countries. And one thing very important about languages is the context, is the network, is making friends, connection, business connections, and making sure that those last throughout your life. So for example, you're asking, how do you practice all those languages? And I'm going to answer by telling you about my bridesmaids in my wedding. So I mm -hmm. had eight bridesmaids. One of them was French. One was Brazilian. Another one I had met in Italy. My sister is Spanish. And so it was really bringing the languages and the cultures together. So, so that's the first thing that you make those connections when you're leaving those countries and you keep those relationships that really helps. So I speak with my friends from Brazil in Portuguese. I still talk to my Italian friend who lives in, in Australia. So keeping those connections is the best way to practice because obviously if you speak six languages or whatever it is, I cannot travel to six countries every, every year to, to practice. So that's my number one, is really keeping those friendships. And the number two is uh, passive learning, which is very often when I watch Netflix, which is not too often these days, but when I give myself the indulgence, I try to watch series in other languages and they're fantastic. I watch series in uh, Italian, in French, in Spanish. So that's a very nice way of in a very passive manner. You're not really actively engaging your brain, but subconsciously some old words that you forgot somewhere in your brain, they come back. So I find that that's a, a fantastic way to, to keep it alive. And in my case in particular, the sixth language that I learned as an adult is that Chinese. And I personally find that because my original language, Spanish, is so different from Chinese, I still need to study it. So you might have certain languages, depending on how difficult they are for you, that you have to continue studying. So once a week, I still have my Chinese classes and I have homework and I have to submit all my, all my homework. So it also depends on, on the language. But you don't have to study every language that you know to keep it fluent. You can find these other channels to learn passively, to practice every now and then. And as well, I believe that it's very important to create an environment for yourself because uh, now with the invention of the internet, it's actually pretty easy to create a virtual environment where you can be surrounded by the, by the foreign language. As you've said, it can be Netflix, but it can be also podcasts in a foreign language. It can be reading something online and translating the words or using websites like Link which helps you do that. And uh, there's there's a ton of ways, but uh, I guess this is what some, because for me as a language teacher, I see that some students miss this point. They feel like arriving to a class, whether it be at online or physically, is sufficient. And after that, they don't have to do anything. They have done their work. They have put in their effort. Let's forget about it. <laughs> but But if you calculate, Seven, seven times 24, I believe that's 168. So that's 168 hours per week. And uh, if you just put in, let's say, two weekly practices with a teacher, an hour each, that's two hours. Uh, there's 166 hours that you are not using the language and not thinking about it. So, so probably that might, that might be a little bit of a problem. So it seems that also, as you have said, it's very important to keep the connections and build connections at the very beginning when you're learning a language. So 
currently I'm residing in Madeira and I'm also learning Portuguese. So I, I speak to the hairdresser, to the, to the taxi driver, to the cashier, to the lady in the, while we're waiting for the bus, uh, I try to connect with them in Portuguese and who knows, maybe we will continue uh, building connections and into the future. So it seems it's like two ways. It's uh, while if you have the luxury and the freedom to live in the country where you're learning the language, you have to immerse yourself fully. You know, go and translate what's written on the bus, or you, you see you see something on the street and you do not know that word. You have your phone with you. Hit the, the Google Translate. Try to understand. Try to immerse yourself. But if you're abroad, uh, language immersion, I think, through virtual uh, virtual means, it's a great one. And uh, one example, personal example, is when I was working, going to the office, I was commuting every day, it was like 30 minutes or so. For the Chinese, it's a lot of memorization because it's a lot of characters. I used to go on Duolingo, which is mm -hmm. an app. You have the free version, you also have the paid version for the audience who, who doesn't know, for many, many languages, even Latin, by the way. Wow. And uh, I would just do like these very short modules. Some of the, there may be like two minutes or something, but... I realize that very often when you're commuting, you're wasting time. You go, you go down the rabbit hole of Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or whatnot. And instead, just those 30 minutes a day, it makes such a difference. So I think it's a, it's a great way of really shuffling some of this time, like shifting from the, the usage of social media in a non very educational way to really reinvert that time into something that, that really adds value to you. Also, it's possible to start following, let's say, people or celebrities or actors or writers, wh whoever is your niche of interest in the foreign language. So if I'm learning Portuguese, I can start following Portuguese people on my socials. And then whenever I'm in the rabbit hole scrolling, maybe, luckily, I will encounter the foreign language that I am learning. So, so that, that could be also a good tip that you should try to, uh, if, you in, if you're interested in Formula One or something else, well, start following the Formula One drivers in the country that you're learning the language. And uh, that, that could be also, also a great way how to passively learn. And uh, even, even, let's say, what, what helps me a lot is that I practice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and uh, my coach, he doesn't know English, so he only speaks Portuguese. And in the group chat on WhatsApp, all the people also communicate in Portuguese. So for me not to be an oddball trying to write things in English, well, I have to translate what they're saying, and I have to also translate what I want to say in the foreign language. So it's, it's also, so there's so many ways how to immerse yourself in the language that you're learning. You just have to be, as you've said, you might feel shy at the beginning, uh, feel maybe even as an imposter in some ways, but you still have to like get at it bit by bit until you, uh, until you reach the level where, where you feel comfortable. But how to reach that level, Veronica? You had to go through this process six times at least. Uh, how do you get from complete zero uh, to a sufficient level where you're happy and comfortable? I think uh, learning languages, and I wrote an article about this on Medium, is very similar to going to the gym. 
So you sign up for the gym or you sign up for your language course and then you go for a few days and it's painful. You know, you start to feel a little bit sore. You feel that it's, it's really painful when you're, when you're learning. And honestly, a week goes by and two weeks go by and you look at yourself, it's the same. You look at your language progress, still the same, but you have to keep going. And you have to know that this is a journey, that is not a sprint and that there is not an, an end goal. Like, for example, I'm a very active person. I do a lot of running, triathlon. There's not an end goal. It's not a number on the scale that I'm trying to reach. It's, it's a lifestyle. With languages, it's quite similar. It's really knowing that you every day, even if sometimes you feel that you're going backwards or you forget the words, every day that you are putting your hours on studying or that you're watching a movie or that you go to a lesson, it's adding up. It's that, that incremental. And, and you have to believe that it's a journey. You have to believe that every day counts because otherwise it's like, gee, you go in the mirror and you say, oh, it's been three weeks and I don't see any difference. That's the thing. For some people, it's going to take longer. For some people, maybe they train more or they have a faster metabolism. So I think it's, it's important to know that it's a journey. And it's also important to know that your journey is going to be different from others. For example, when I started Chinese, a lot of us, well, we all started at the same level, beginners. What happened? People then very quickly started to be at different levels. Why? Because of how much you study, because of your innate ability to learn languages. Because I know this as personal experience. When you know languages, when you learn languages as a kid, your brain is much quicker to learn languages than someone who just started learning languages as, as an adult. And so not comparing yourself and saying, oh, this person learned Chinese in a year and I've been studying for two years and I still don't see the progress. It's really owning your own journey. So all these things help. And the last one is, as adults, we are very afraid and embarrassed of making mistakes or sounding silly or saying the wrong thing. And so that honestly holds back a lot of adults. And that is partly, not, not all the reason, but partly why kids are so good at absorbing languages like a sponge is because they don't care. It's like a toddler. When a toddler is starting to speak, they might say the wrong word, but they say it again until they say it perfectly. And adults, we have this fear of looking silly. We have this fear of, of saying the wrong thing. So try to remove all of these filters that we have in our mindset and, and just speak. And that's, I think it's funny that a lot of people, they start speaking more a foreign language when they drink because it's almost like the alcohol remove all these fears. I'm not saying the advice that you mm -hmm. have to drink language, but my point is that when you remove all these filters and you're not afraid of making mistakes, that's when you really start to see like the big improvement in language learning. And it's a very good point that you have to allow yourself to be silly. Uh, because if you don't allow yourself to be silly, you will be too timid and too rigid to even try to speak. And then, then you will beat yourself up for not trying or, you know, it's, it's, a, it's another rabbit hole, which is quite terrible. So, and maybe, maybe some people just don't understand that when you try to speak to a person in a foreign language, it's actually speaking to the other person's hearts in some way. As I, I, I will butcher the quote by Nelson Mandela, but if, if you want to be understood, uh, you have to speak in a foreign language with a, another person so it reaches his brain. And if you want to be felt, uh, you have to speak in his own language because it reaches his heart. So this kind of 
uh, feeling like, wow, this person is actually trying to learn my native language. It's, it's, it already puts you on a good spot in some ways. Of course, some people are busy and they might turn to the, let's say if you have English as a common language, they will start speaking in English or say like, you know, we can speak in English. That's not a big deal. Uh, but it's also, it doesn't mean that your language skills are terrible and the other person just doesn't want to talk to you. Maybe just the other person is a little bit in a hurry. So getting over that fear, I believe is extremely important. Another important thing is, as you have said, a week might pass, two weeks might pass, even a month or a year, and you still feel like you're not making sufficient progress. So then the frustration kicks in and maybe also the feeling that you want to stop. And maybe you're thinking like, maybe I'm not the person to learn languages at all in general. What, what do you do if you have encountered this kind of situation? And if you haven't, what would you recommend for a person that has? In my personal experience, this very often tends to happen on a bad day. And what I mean by this is you might not be in the best mindset. It happens to me with Chinese. When I, it's, Sometimes or very often, I have my class on a Friday. I'm tired from the entire week. I go in there already feeling tired. And very often, the words don't come out. I feel that I'm slow. I feel that I'm not making any progress. And I finish the class. Ah, oh, this isn't worth it. I've been learning this language for all these years. and I don't see any progress. I think it's great to zoom out. And that's what I always do. I zoom out and I say, maybe today's lesson wasn't great. Maybe I don't feel that I've made progress. But... If you have been diligent for, let's say, a year or at least six months, when you zoom out and you're honest to yourself, there are two things that happen. Either you are honest and you say, I actually haven't put that much work, which can happen. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I've been going to the gym for one year. No, you've signed up to the gym for one year. How many times have you gone? So first is having that reality check, you know. The second thing is sometimes zooming out and saying, actually, I have come a long way. Maybe today or maybe this week I haven't made a big progress. But when I zoom out, and this happens to me in Chinese, I started knowing zero characters in Chinese. And now I don't know exactly how many because I don't count them. But a uh, few thousand characters, which is, which is quite a lot. So two things. I, I would uh, almost 100% say that you're in one of these two groups. Either you haven't put enough effort or you're not being kind and compassionate with yourself because that's part of language is being compassionate with yourself and saying, okay, it takes a lot of work and uh, I have actually made quite some progress. So as you have compared learning a language to doing a sports and it's best if you, let's say if you're a runner that maybe you don't run every day, uh, but, but you do other kinds of exercises related with running. So it helps you to improve also not directly through the activity that running has to do. It's like running, but also maybe stretching, uh, maybe warming up your body and releasing the sore muscles. You know, there's, there's a lot of different kinds of things, just like uh, when you're doing another kind of a sport, lifting weights, it's not just lifting weights. It's also eating well, sleeping well, and other things related to it. But it's, a, as you have said, it's a lifestyle and that you, you have to do certain things every day to improve. So how would you say, would, would you recommend people studying every day or maybe every other day? How often would they, should they engage with a foreign language that they want to learn? 
Oh, that's a tricky, tricky question. I can speak about my experience and also full disclaimer, I'm not a teacher, not pretending to be one, but uh, I think that uh, that question really varies on the individual for multiple reasons. How much time do you have available? But uh, also, uh, how much do you want to commit? That's the, uh, mm -hmm. the second. And the third thing is at what level you are. And to give a very specific example, when I started studying Chinese, knowing that it was such a difficult language, I knew that if I only studied twice a week, honestly, it was going to take me years to learn it. I had a sense of urgency because I had moved to Taiwan and then I was living in China. No one spoke English. So I had a great sense of urgency, like either you're going to speak or you're going to eat God knows what. So for me, that, that sense of urgency worked really well. And my strategy was to study every single day. The way mm -hmm. that I did it, I created my routine. I had from the Monday to Friday, so three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I had a teacher come to my office during lunch hour, and uh, we had one hour of Chinese. And then every single evening, I would study Chinese. That was my thing. I really made a commitment. I didn't study on the weekends because that was for partying, but I was very, very diligent on Monday to Friday. I studied pretty much every, every day. And so I did that for a year, maybe a year and a half until I had a decent level of fluency where I could speak, even I could have business conversations, I could have conversations on, on the street. And now years later, when I feel already pretty fluent, I'm still having one lesson a week. So I went from five to one because I feel that I'm at a level where yes, I can only continue to improve, but my main goal is to keep that fluency, make sure that once a week I'm having the other conversation. So I think it depends, but to summarize, start with a big cadence, start with a big cadence until you reach a certain level. And then it's more about maintaining. It's almost like you're going to lose a lot of weight. You, you get to that level where you've lost it, but then you're not going to drop everything or you don't have to continue to diet. You want to keep that, that base, right? Uh, so, so similar with languages, again, making comparisons. Yeah, it's, it's a very good point that you have to, not in order not to become rusty, it's still good to continue learning, even if the learning is meant to maintain what you have already learned. Because uh, at the moment I'm feeling this because I, before starting to learn Portuguese, I have been learning the Russian language. And uh, I think I had been studying it for three years prior to learning Portuguese. And I, I have developed a decent level uh, in terms of grammar and communication and vocabulary. It wasn't like I could understand every topic, but I could have a decent conversation with a, with another person. And then when I started learning Portuguese, the problem first for me with Portuguese was, of course, that the last languages words were coming into my mind. So I was always thinking in Russian. And now when I have been learning Portuguese for eight months, whenever I want just try and think in Russian, just, just to remember some words or maybe just to talk with a Russian speaker. Portuguese words are coming into my mind and the Russians are not. <laughs> so it's this, now it's a little bit of a mess which happens for people that have not, I feel like that have not developed a sufficient le level in a foreign language before they start learning another one. So it becomes this kind of mumble jumbo mumbled. Uh, it's Russian, Portuguese, or whatever. <laughs> so what do you recommend for people that are actually have a passion for, let's say, two languages instead of one? 
And uh, would you recommend just to focus on one and then leave the other behind for the future? Or maybe to somehow play with both languages so, so you can learn them simultaneously. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about that? So I kind of have done both. At school, like, like many, many schools, when I lived in the Netherlands, I had to study in four different languages. So English, French, German, and Italian. Out of these four languages, I only spoke French fluently. I didn't even speak English, and I was 15. So I had to learn English, I had to learn German, and I had to learn Italian. And uh, I didn't have a choice. So I did those. And because I had all the time, and it was really my main job as a teenager was to do well at school, it worked. But, well, not really. I don't speak German well. <laughs> but at the time, it worked enough so that I could pass the exams and, and so on. So I think it's doable. But how realistic is it that you have as an adult, as a, let's assume a working adult, all the time that I had dedicating to those languages? So that's, for me, the biggest question. Is it doable? I have done it, and I, I'm very comfortable in English. I'm very comfortable in Italian as well, not in German, uh, but it's it's doable. The thing is, most adults, you're going to have limited time, and so if you're going to do two languages at the same time, just be realistic in terms of how much time you can dedicate, because otherwise the frustration is going to be times two, because mm -hmm. you're dedicating the same amount for, for two languages. So I think it's, it's being realistic with uh, what you can commit to. Yeah, and I think it's the, when you reach a sufficient level in a foreign language, maybe you can start adding another one. But if you start learning two languages at the same time, that might be very tricky <laughs> because that's a very, very big commitment. I agree. And I also, just to finish on this, I think you have higher chances of giving up when you start two languages and you don't see progress. Then when you start one, and then you see, oh, I'm actually pretty happy with this language. I, I already have a level of fluency that I'm happy with. And that actually gives you the encouragement to go with the next language. So, so always try to be realistic. Also, as you said, you, you have the, then you develop another kind of a feeling towards languages when you have already learned one. And being a person that has learned six languages, uh, probably German could be included as well. Um, have you noticed that the process of learning every single language has been similar? Because these are very different languages, you know, Chinese and Spanish and French, they're, they're completely different. But the process of learning itself, has it been different? The main difference I would say is learning a language as a kid versus learning as an adult. For me, that I think is the biggest difference. What I mean by this is when I was a kid and I was learning languages, I didn't think about grammar. I didn't think about exceptions. I didn't think about translating Spanish, which is my mother tongue, into that language word by word. It was a very natural process because kids, they just naturally absorb a language without trying to find a logic. Adults, we are very rigid. We're always trying to understand the rule, understand the logic. My husband is Australian. He gets very frustrated with Spanish language. He doesn't understand why uh, nouns have gender. Why is mm -hmm. the table feminine and the floor is masculine? And I tell him, that's not how languages work. It's not about the logic. It's just changing your mindset. 
And that's why I think that uh, when you're learning a language, one of the best advices that I can give is try to have an open mind and try not to translate from your mother tongue in your head, which is what most adults do word by word, because then you get caught into thinking that languages operate the same way and they don't. It's not a, a word by word translation. The way that we think is different when I'm thinking in Spanish or when I'm thinking in Chinese, it's, it's a different way of thinking. To give you an example, in Spanish, we don't say I am cold, we say I have cold, you have cold. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And uh, also, I know that uh, I think both in Spanish and Portuguese, to win and to earn is the same word, ganar. Uh, so, so there's also a little bit of a trouble there for people that don't know there. <laughs> so, so you 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 have to be very open to understand the the differences, not just in terms of the structural technical parts, but also maybe maybe cultural differences as well. So every kind of language opens up a new culture for you. And uh, if you say, this is silly, I don't understand the logic and so on, you're not just closing yourself off from the language, you're closing yourself off from the people that speak it in certain ways. So you, you don't try to understand them, uh, not just on a very basic technical level, but also on a cultural one in some ways. Uh, and. This brings me to a point that I wanted to make before, a question rather. You said that you have been li living in Taiwan and Shanghai. I know from that from reading some of your articles. And currently you're based in Hong Kong. So all of these Chinese language variations are different. So the, the characters that people use in Taiwan and Hong Kong are not used in China. They're, in China, it's simplified as well. In Hong Kong, they speak Cantonese, while they speak Mandarin in mainland. As well, in Taiwan, they also have a different dialect of speaking Chinese. I, I don't know if you could call it Mandarin dialect or just a Chinese dialect, but still, again, it's different. So do you feel like you're learning different languages when you're learning, let's say now, Cantonese uh, or or does it f still feel like it's the same language, just a little bit of dialects, like Irish and, uh, let's say, Scottish? Right. So my background is uh, in Mandarin. And first, I started learning without learning the characters. They, uh, they have in Chinese a system that is called Pinyin, which instead of learning the character, Ni Hao, which is high, instead of learning how you write those characters, you would write Ni and I, and then Hao. H-A-O. So some foreigners like myself decided to start learning with Pingyi because I had to make a choice. Either I was able to advance faster with my spoken Chinese or it was going to take me ages with characters. So if someone in the audience is going to learn Chinese, you have these two options. You can learn with Pingyi, which is just like a reading system for the, uh, the um, uh, Westerners, or you can go with, uh, with so I made that decision, and then years later, I started with characters, once I felt comfortable with that, with the spoken. Now, my personal experience is that when I then moved to Hong Kong, I was so disappointed after all these <laughs> years of Mandarin, I come into this place in Greater China, where Mandarin is not the main language spoken, it's Cantonese. So what I did at the beginning, I took a basic course of Cantonese, because I thought oh, I would be great since I live here, 
to learn the basics. And what happened to me is very similar to what you were explaining before about the Russian and Portuguese. I started to mix and I felt that my Cantonese was not really improving very much and my Mandarin was getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is being very honest with the audience, like be realistic, as I was saying before, I did not have endless hours in the week to say, okay, I'm going to do five hours of Mandarin and five hours of Cantonese. So my decision, because of business, because of my level that I already had with the Mandarin, was to focus on Mandarin. So I did Cantonese for a year, I speak very basic, I, I don't count in, in my six languages, but I decided to focus. I'm a working mom, I like to do exercise as well. So the limited time that I can dedicate to languages, I decided to focus on Mandarin, which is which is what I do. The languages for me, they're still quite different. Uh, so I, I don't even understand a conversation in Cantonese, like a, a normal conversation. So that's for me how different the, the two languages are. Of course, there are similarities, but I made the decision of instead of going backwards in my language, it's like, okay, I'm only going to pick one, but I want to speak it well. That is a good thing to hear because... When I was living in Hong Kong in the university years, I also took half a year of Cantonese. And after that half a year, I was like, I will try Putonghua. <laughs> I will try Mandarin. <laughs> so I, carry, I carried on with Mandarin. <laughs> One thing also, full disclosure, Mandarin is a very difficult language because it has four tones. So that means that when you say the word la, depending whether you say la, 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 it can mean different things. If that is complicated in Cantonese, as, as you know, you have eight tones. <laughs> so if you were to ask me which one is uh, more like easier to learn, I would say Mandarin in a heartbeat. That is true. That is true. That's why at first uh, I thought, oh, I'm living in Hong Kong. I should try learning the Cantonese version of Chinese. But then I understood that for a person that comes from a language that doesn't have a tonal background, we have inflections and declections. It's like when we're just speaking, we can raise the voice, but it's not the same. <laughs> it's it's not the same. And it's funny because you learn a certain, let's say, a phrase or a word, and you want to say it to a person, and then the person just looks at you with blank stare. It's like, well, what are you trying to say? And I'm, feeling, I'm thinking, well, I'm saying all the right words. Why does this person not understand me? It's because I'm using the wrong tones. So it's, again another thing that you have to deal with. So if we could say that for now, as I understand, Mandarin has been the most difficult language for you because it's so different from your native language. What other languages were also tough to learn for you as a Spanish speaker? And which of them came easily? So the ones I will tell you the ones that came easy and it's the Romance language. So I found um, very easy to learn French because I was a kid anyway. And then learning, having uh, learned already Spanish and French, Portuguese, also Romance language in Brazil. Very easy to learn. Many, many words are written even exactly the same, but you have a slightly different pronunciation. From those three languages, when I learned Italian, I found that even easier because I always had a language of reference to kind of do a guess, an informed guess of what can this word mean. So I found these languages quite easy. The one that I found really hard First was English. I actually found English as uh, someone who comes from a Latin language very difficult. And even though today the language that I speak the most is the language that I speak at home with my husband, I do business with, I, I've never done a podcast in Spanish. So even speaking in public, 
English is my first language. I just need one in Portuguese, by the way, that I'll send you via the details later. But I found that English is very difficult when you're starting uh, from a Latin language because the way that um, the languages are structured is quite different. For example, the phrasal verbs, and a lot of people might not know the phrasal verb, but it's the, take the verb get, get in, get out, get through, get by, get. You have like 20 different combinations. And uh, so that's very, very hard. And then the other thing that is also very hard is the pronunciation. Even after all these years, I haven't been able to shake off my Spanish language, my Spanish accent. And so I do find that the, uh, the accent is, uh, is quite tough. So that would be the second. And the third thing is, I, don't ask me why in English you cannot write things like they sound. So if you say, but, <laughs> uh, uh, but, so this, this sound can have like so many different ways of, of being written. So now my spelling is much better, but uh, I'm still best friends with Grammarly. An app that, uh, that I use to make sure that uh, that my spelling is, is correct. So I find this, the spelling in English quite tricky. And I have to say that even the natives make a lot of mistakes. Well, I also, even as a language teacher, and I teach primarily English and Lithuanian as well. Even I sometimes have to stop and think about, how is this word written? <laughs> Should I write it like that? Or maybe does it have an O inside of it or does it not? It's a tricky business, and let's say my native language, Lithuanian, uh, as you write, so you speak, and that makes life much easier. Uh, Lithuanian is a very difficult language as well because it has uh, noun cases and all of that other kind of jazz, uh, but at least we speak as we write. <laughs> so that makes life easier. And let, let's say... What was the breaking point for you in English as a Spanish speaker? Or when was the moment when you realized like, huh, I, I think I arrived? I don't know if there is a moment as such. I think there, there are little moments in your life where you, you have like little breakthroughs. So I remember when um, I was a teenager, when I learned English and he was in the Netherlands. At the beginning, I didn't understand the jokes. I didn't understand the conversation. And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, wow, I was sitting in this conversation during a lunch break and I understood what they were talking about. Or it was, for example, watching movies and starting to realize that I was actually able to understand most of it. And then next thing was to say a sentence and say, wow, I actually didn't have to translate from Spanish. So I don't think you have like this, this wow moment. I think it's, it's little moments, like little realizations, like little light bulbs. Like, oh, I was able to do this. Oh, I was able to send an email. Oh, this was the first time that I spoke in public. And uh, it's, it's been just very like incremental, right? Like steps and steps and steps. And last week I was speaking at a women uh, leadership summit in Singapore in front of 200 people on the stage in English. If you had told me when I was 15 that I would ever speak first on the stage in front of 200 people as someone who is an introvert by nature, and second that I would do it in English, I would be like, there's this, no way. Uh, so it's, it's all not like these little steps in life that, that add up and, and add up. And when you zoom out, which is what I was talking before, you're like, oh, wow, I've come a long way since I was that little girl who didn't understand the conversations during the lunch break. And, and that's one of the main points that learning languages opens possibilities. And it's not just a cliche saying that, you know, language is a new open window or anything like that. 
it, it does actually open possibilities because as you have said, well, firstly, if you hadn't learned Italian or French or any other language, Chinese, let's say Mandarin, definitely you wouldn't have had the possibility to have some conversations that you had in the past. So, so that's one, but also business possibilities, uh, relationship possible. There's so, so much that a new language can open up for you. So for a person that still is maybe shaky on the subject, the person that does not know if he or she should actually invest the time in learning the language, uh, what would you recommend? So the first thing that I would say is that you really need to have a very strong reason, a very strong why you want to learn a language. When I hear that people tell me, oh, I want to learn Italian, for example. And I say, oh, why? And they say, oh, because it sounds so beautiful and Italy is so beautiful. I'm like, oh, you want to make sure that you are committed. And I don't mean it has to be for business. It can be because you want to move to that country like I did. I moved to China and I knew that it was going to be a necessity. Or maybe it happened very often here in Hong Kong that you meet someone from another culture and you want to be able to speak their language, you want to be able to communicate with their family. It could be for business. It could be that you really think that is going to help your career. But having your strong why, it's going to be very important so that when you're feeling a bit lost or when you don't see the progress, you remember, oh, this really means a lot to me. So I think that would be my my number one advice. And the second, and, and I, I leave this myself, by example, I only speak the languages fluently of the, those languages where I have lived in the country. I speak Chinese because I lived in China. I, I speak Italian because I lived in Italy. I speak Portuguese because I lived in Brazil. I studied German, German, but I never lived in Germany. And guess what? This, of all the languages that I studied, the one that I don't speak fluently. Do you have to necessarily live in the country to learn the language? Probably not, but it's going to help a lot. You need some type of immersion. As you were saying at the beginning, you need to create that environment. When you live in the country, you don't need to create that environment because the environment is surrounding you. So if you're not in that environment, how are you going to create it? That's a question that you have to answer. Is your partner going to commit to speak to you in that language? Are you going to commit to X amount of hours a week? So I think it's it's really important to to create that environment to, to be successful. All right. So so th these are very valuable ideas. And for a person that is already in the train, uh, but that feels that he or she is falling off it, <laughs> uh, what would you recommend to that person? <laughs> I think if you're if you're falling off the train, maybe it's time to bring a little spice. And what mm -hmm. I mean here is like, okay, you've been studying for a year let's say Japanese, and you don't see a lot of progress, if this is a priority to you, add something else, spice it up. Maybe it's a trip to Japan. Maybe it's an exchange. Maybe you work in a company that gives you the possibility of, of an exchange and it doesn't have to be a long, a, a long, long-term thing, but try to find those opportunities. I think when you're losing that passion in life, you have to you know, spice it up. So, so I think I would, I would definitely recommend these. Like even in my case, for example, I'm thinking, oh, could I maybe arrange like an intensive week of Chinese in Taiwan? And I know that if I commit myself to that, I commit my time, I commit my money as an investment, I know that it's going to pay off. But sometimes I think that you have to bring that, that spice when, when it comes to languages. And one more thing that I wanted to, to say, 
uh, in terms of uh, what are the benefits that you can get from languages. For me, one of the, the big benefits, and, and it wasn't even what I had in mind, I worked for Apple here in Hong Kong for, for seven years. I'm not a technical person. I don't have a technical background. And uh, when we went to the interviewer and they said, oh, we're interested in your profile. I said, I'm not a technical person. And they said, no, don't worry. The reason why we're interested in your profile is because you're very international. And the fact that you have studied all these languages, particularly Chinese, and you were brave enough to go to a different country, learn a language that is so different, it tells us a lot about you and your skills and your resilience and your ability to learn. And so Apple, which is the most admired company in the world, values people who speak languages, not only for the language itself, but for what it says about the individual. You're curious, you have learning agility, you, you're willing to, to try new things. And so, so if you're on the fence, also from a business perspective, I think it can open a lot of doors like it did for me. That's fantastic to hear because uh... As you said, this was not intentional. This just happened. <laughs> so you were just doing the things that you enjoy doing, and then suddenly it, uh, it it gave you other kind of merits that you could not anticipate beforehand. So, so yes, it, it feels like it's a tricky business learning a language, uh, but it's also very rewarding kind of an affair, we could say. Well, thank you. Thank you, Veronica, for joining in and sharing all your thoughts about learning languages, also sharing your experience, because as you said, every person is unique. Every person creates different kinds of study patterns and they learn at different kinds of speeds and they have other reasons to, to learn the language that they have sought out for. Uh, so it was lovely to have you on the show today. And just before we part, uh, is there anything else that you would like to add uh, to the listeners? I think uh, if you're on the fence about learning a language, just take take that step. Maybe this is the podcast. This is the little push that uh, that you need. For me personally, it's one of the most rewarding things that I have done in my life. If I, if I didn't speak the languages that I speak, I wouldn't have met my husband. I wouldn't have worked at Apple. I wouldn't have been able to travel all the countries that I have feeling super comfortable. So, so there's no downside. Is that? It's investment, but the, the payoff is there. The dividends are there. That's wonderful. And for everyone that would like to connect with Veronica, I will leave her LinkedIn profile in the description notes, uh, as well as her profile for Medium and the books that she has written. I believe that you haven't yet written a book about learning languages, uh, but, but still uh, the one about the lemons, uh, lemon tree mindset, I think it would also relate to learning languages because basically it talks about developing new skills in some ways. It doesn't have to be a language, but it definitely can. So I'll link that in the description as well. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And, uh, well, I'm looking forward for episode three in the future. We'll see what kind of uh, topic we'll have then. Thank you, Veronica. <laughs>